Alrighty guys, welcome to the second installment of the Odie Boy Random Show. It's your boy Odie Boy coming at ya. Now, it is 9.20pm on October 15th, 2019 Eastern Standard Time. Oh, now it's 9.21. Now you're asking yourself, Odie Boy, why are you making two podcasts in two hours? Well, I can tell you. One. I actually really like making that last podcast. Two, I'm extremely bored and I need something to do with my life other than watch TV. And three, I have new stuff to to talk about. And basically the point of the Odie Boy show is to talk about things that are random whenever I think about them. Okay, let me rephrase that because that sounded really retarded. But basically, whenever I think of stuff that I really want to talk about, I'm going to make a podcast. So there may or may not be a schedule to this podcast. It may be just completely random. I might have a podcast, you know, one week and then the next week I have seven. So who knows uh, what's in store for the Odie Boy Random Show. But if I have a listener out there and... I'd like to inform my listeners that I have one listen on my last show, but it was me, so it doesn't really count. I still have zero listeners, but anyways, I hope to get the word out there about the Odie Boy random show and at least have one listener that's not me. Now, I do sincerely apologize about the audio quality of the last show and this show, but I still do not have a microphone. Now, my last show, I was sitting at the desk in my apartment, and the desk is kind of built into a wall, and it's made out of uh, out of like a countertop, so there was a lot of echoing going on because I was kind of in a corner. So now I have moved to a new area that's uh, like on my couch, That has a lot of chairs and stuff around it. So hopefully they absorb the sound and you won't hear as much echoing. And I'm away from the fan. At the very beginning of my last show, you can hear the fan. Unfortunately, the air conditioning in my apartment is extremely loud. So whenever it kicks on, we're just going to have to power through. Because I I think even with a nice microphone, you are still going to hear that sound. But... Now, without further ado, let's get into episode two of the Odie Boy Random Show. So, I guess this is the point where we're we're supposed to make a segue, but, you know, I'm less than an hour into my podcasting career, and I still haven't figured out how to make sounds. So, if there's a sound in this uh, episode, I haven't figured it out yet, and I'll figure it out later. So hopefully there's a sound. Now, I wish you guys could see me right now in my apartment. I'm sitting on my couch. I put on my, ooh, you know what? That P that I just said definitely made a sound in the microphone that I'm going to hear later. So I sincerely apologize. But anyways, my headphones I have on right now are for my PlayStation. They're not even connected, but I put them on just to make myself feel like I'm actually uh, semi-professional here. Um, so three minutes and 30 seconds into this podcast, uh, I'm going to stop talking like a retard and start talking about something that's actually cool. So, uh, this episode of the o- Odie Boy Random Show, I wanted to talk about my job. So, um... I guess we got we got to go back a little bit. The last show I kind of talked about my grandpa and like 
um, going on a cruise and the shitty hamburgers and like the NFL and China and NBA and you know a bunch of just random crap which is the point of the Odie Boy random show but this podcast uh, I'd like to talk about my job and um, another thing but I'm not going to get to that yet because it's not going to make sense if I tell you now and I just realized everything I just said makes absolutely no sense so let's do a take three here and let me start by telling you that uh, right now I'm a student at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington and Wilmington is in North Carolina because a lot of people get us confused with Wilmington, Delaware. I have nothing against Wilmington, Delaware. What's up, my fellow Wilmington's people? I don't really know what we are. But um, I am in Wilmington, North Carolina. Beach town, right by the ocean. Great place. Actually, it's not a great place. But I'll get maybe I'll get into that in the next Odie Boy show. Who knows? It's completely random. But... Um, I, I go to school here, uh, I'm a senior, my last year, uh, I'm going to school to be a teacher, so, uh, to all my teachers out there in North Carolina, uh, what's it like being poor, cause that's pretty much all I hear about being a teacher, um, so, but anyways, uh, you know, I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna have to make a plan, cause there's so much I wanna talk about, and I'm sure my one listener, other than me, hopefully if there's one out there, would like to know why I wanted to be a teacher. But you know what? I'm going to save that for another Odie Boy show because it doesn't really fit into the theme of the random Odie Boy stuff that I've decided to talk about today at 9.26 p.m. And I just drank a big cup of coffee, so I'm really excited to share with you guys what I do for my job. So anyways, like I just told you, I'm in college, and that means i got to have a job, you know? You know, I don't want to be racking up that 50K in student loan. So, you know, I've been working my ass off since I started school. And I've had a couple different jobs since I started school. When I first started college, I uh, I worked at a grocery store. Um, and it sucked. Like, I can't sit still for very long. And I was a cashier. And I hated it. I was a terrible employee. And I hated my job. It sucked. They made me stand in one place for long periods of time. And there was just, like, a bunch of bullshit, like... Oh, sorry. Ooh, I just burped a little bit. Um, there's a lot of bullshit um, procedures and stuff we had to follow, you know. Like, I would stare at the clock and just, like, watch each minute go by. And it felt like each minute was an hour. But, you know, that was my first real job. And then after that, I started working on campus at, like, a little store. And I was the only employee in there, so it was kind of nice. And then have some, like, uh, usually an alcoholic boss. That That's the type of people that run grocery stores. Uh, you know, breathing down my neck. Um, but I, I only had that job for like a couple months until I found my current job. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to say where I work. Uh, I, nobody listens to this thing. I, I work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty like decent job. I'm not going to badmouth them at all. It's actually a pretty cool job, especially for somebody like me who's really into cars. So... I know you're going to say, like, Odie Boy, like, I mean, what, Hyundai Elantra? But, like, yeah, for every, like, hundred Hyundai Elantras I get to drive, I get to drive one cool car. So, you know, every now and then I get to drive a cool car around. And, and, and when I first started there, I definitely thought, like, a lot of cars were cool. But then I realized that, like, there's, they're not. 
especially like a V6 charger or something like that. But anyways, my job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, um, I don't really know how to have, do you hear this retardation in my voice? Yeah, um, because I do. And I'm going to school to be a teacher, so this is bad, really bad, guys. My students aren't going to understand what I'm even saying up there. You might as well fire me before I even am hired. But anyways, uh, my job at Enterprise, it's called car prep. And basically, you clean the cars. And then you take the cars to get oil changes and like everything that's not up front. So, and up front, I mean, like, the people that stand at the counter and rent the car. So, you know, we're kind of the behind-the-scenes guy, which is nice because, you know, every job I've had up to this point, I've had to deal with the public. And any of you guys, any, wow, look, another retardation moment. Any of you guys that have worked in the service industry and especially retail, uh, actually, waiters and waitresses probably have it worse. But you guys know we get bitched out a lot about stupid shit that we don't care about because we don't get paid, like, anything so the nice thing about working in enterprise is like I get to uh you know I I get what am I ta- I'm staring at a light in my ceiling and I got distracted like this is bad but anyways I get to uh not deal with the public like every 5 seconds you know every single day so that's really nice and that's like one of the reasons why I chose this job is that I didn't have to deal with the public as much it's not that I like have any anxiety or anything or dread dealing with the public I really just didn't feel like dealing with them for the very little amount of money I make you know if they were out going to go out there and pay me six figures hell yeah I'd go deal with pissed off people all day that's more money than I'd ever make being a teacher but you know I'm making I'm making okay money for a college kid, um, and, and especially where I live, it's not a super high income city, so you gotta put that into perspective, but anyways, I, I make, you know, okay money, I don't have to deal with the public a lot, and the biggest thing for me is I have a set schedule, like, every week I work the same hours, and it's consistent, which is nice, because I'm the type of person that you gotta have a set schedule, like, I don't like, you know, mixing things up and fluctuating and not knowing, you know, what hours or how many days or what times. Like, I just, I can't roll with that. So I really do like my job that it's it's very consistent hours and it's the same hours every week. And we're not open super late at night. Unlike most people, I do like getting up early in the morning, which means I probably should go to bed here in like the next 30 minutes because I got to get that full eight hours, fam. But anyways, um... I do like waking up early, and we don't close super late, so I can get home at a decent time. Um, but uh, my job, you know, it consists of me cleaning the cars, and and then when I clean the cars, you know, there we we don't got no car wash. I'm the car wash, so you know, I wash them by hand. Now we have like a big brush. Guys in the detailing or automotive industry call it sandpaper on a stick, and that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's it's probably not the best thing for a car, but who cares. And then I vacuum them out, and it's the same vacuum that you would use at, like, a coin car wash. It's the big silver tube things. Um, Vacuum out the car, wipe them down. You know, Wilmington, heroin capital of the nation. So you got to make sure there's no needles sticking kids in the butt and all that stuff in the car. And uh, we got a lot of gangbangers here, so we got to make sure no one's leaving their murder weapon, you know, underneath the passenger floorboard. Um... I found plenty of heroin needles in cars, unfortunately, over the years I've worked there, but yet have have yet to find a firearm, and I, 
as much as I, I wouldn't want somebody leaving their firearm in the car because that's very irresponsible, I do get a hundred dollars. So it would be kind of nice if somebody, uh, you know, left a Tech Nine or something in a car for me. But, but anyways, so you know that's my job. Um, I guess if if I have a listener, besides myself, um. I don't know how you would contact me, honestly, but you could ask me questions about my job if you wanted to. Uh, I should make, like, a little Twitter or, like, an Instagram for the Odie Boy Show. Um, but I really don't want my family finding out because they probably are think probably will think I'm even weirder than I am. So, you know, so yeah, probably shouldn't do that. Anyways, I think this goes on Spotify. Um, so if you can, like, message me on Spotify, I think that's a thing. Um, I don't know, you tell me. Um, well, I guess you can't. But anyways, if you can message me on Spotify, do it. I will read your messages because I have no friends. Wow, I just cried a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Um, I have, I have, I have, uh, I have a friend. But anyways... Um, so if you'd like to ask me questions about my job, it's pretty easy. It's not a bad college job. Um, I really don't know much about like the whole rental process. I could probably tell you some things, but, but again, um, no company secrets or anything like that. Pretty much an enterprise. It's what you see, what you get. It's a pretty cool job. Um, from time to time I get to drive like a cool car. So like, it's like a lot of the cars we have that are like pretty normal. Um, we've got like some, Ford, Chevy, GMC, Dodge, Hyundai, Toyota, Nissan, a lot of Nissans, um, but we don't have Hondas, um, Honda is probably like the only large manufacturer of vehicles that we don't carry, and I asked somebody about this one time, and they were stunned that I asked them this question, because I actually observe what goes on and, and, and would like to know how my company I work at is ran, but essentially Hondas are known for having high resale value. And when a car manufacturer sells us a fleet of cars, so like when we buy Nissan Altimas, we buy like like 10,000 Nissan Altimas that are pretty much all the same. And we have the potential to flood the market with used Nissan Altimas. So if we decided, you know, Nissan Altimas, they're crappy, they break down, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, this is just a hypothetical about Nissan Altimas, um, uh, they they are crappy and they break down. So I don't even know what I'm talking about. But anyways, Nissan Altimas, um, let's say we have 10,000 of them and for some reason we flood the market with Nissan Altimas. That's going to drive the price of all used Nissan Altimas down. And Hondas are known for having a high resale value and they want to stick to that um, for their customers. So they don't sell to fleets, even though it wouldn't be in our best interest to flood the market because obviously it makes them worth less and we would lose money. We have the power to do so. So that's so that's the reason why Honda doesn't sell us cars. Uh, same thing with like Subaru. Um, there uh, we buy Subarus, but they're used, and that's another thing about the car, the rental car industry that I didn't realize. We will buy used cars. Now it's not like a five-year-old Subaru. It's it's like a 
two-month-old Subaru somebody leased and turned it in because they didn't like it, and it has like 1,800 miles on it. But that that's usually how we get Subarus, and I've seen a Honda since the whole time I've worked at Enterprise. But um, we where I'm at, we're not in an exotics place. I think the closest exotics is in like Charlotte. There's only like one or two per, per state. Some states probably don't even have an exotic rental. So I don't really get to see Ferraris or Lamborghinis or anything cool. Uh, probably like the coolest car we have if you're into like cars um maybe like a like a rt charger or like a um ss camaro or a gt mustang and that's that's pretty much like the coolness that we um oh excuse me for a second <coughs> had to cough um the coolness that we get if you like uh you know like like SUVs. I don't know if there's some SUV fans out there, but uh, we get like Cadillac Escalades and like Lincoln Navigators, and I'd say every time I'm in Escalade, I feel like a baller. But then I pull into Enterprise and remember that I'm poor, um, and I have no friends. I'm fat. But anyways, and then like for for like trucks, if you're like a truck person, we've got like uh, King Ranch F150s. Like that's you know those are pretty nicer. They're nice trucks, but it's not like it's anything, like, abnormal. You see one of those driving pretty much any time you're out on the road. Um, unless you live in North Korea, then, yeah, you don't see those. But, anyways, like, that's that's about the extent of, like, coolness, you know, of vehicles we see. For, like, for like every hundred minivans, like, I drive, I get to drive, like, one nice car. Uh, which, again, don't sleep on the Grand Caravan. Those things are freaking quick. So, yeah. Before you try to race one, just make, remember you might get smoked. But anyways, I guess this is what they call a segue at 17 minutes and 28 seconds, and it is 9.38 p.m. I don't know why I'm saying that. Like, fuck it, I don't care. It kind of, so it kind of uh, gives you a little background into, I guess, my love of cars. I've I've always liked cars since I was a little kid. Um, it's been for so long. I couldn't really tell you why. It's just something that I've always liked. And, you know, growing up, I was really into, like, muscle cars and stuff. And, you know, uh, contrary to popular uh, opinion, I hate Fast and Furious movies because I actually know stuff about cars. Like, when the danger to manifold thing, like, that just pisses me off. I'm not even going to, because it just makes me so mad. Like, you know, like, doctor shows that are on TV? Like, if I was a doctor, I would know half the shit on there. It's, like, not even real medical terminology, and it would piss me off. So, that's kind of, like, the same things, to put it in perspective. I say put it in perspective a lot. So, you know what? We're going to put it in perspective. Um, but... But yeah, that that's kind of like, you know, why I don't like those movies. But I, I do really like cars, and I grew up liking muscle cars. And, um, you know, probably like my most favorite muscle car of all time. I really like the 1970 Plymouth Superbird because they were so outrageous. And they were also the first car in NASCAR to go 200 miles an hour. So that's pretty cool. And then um, I probably like my second, um, my second favorite car. Uh, type of automobile i really like the 1930s um you know art deco high-end vehicles and the only reason i like those is because my uncle um has a cord not a cord like honda cord it's c-o-r-d look it up they're pretty cool cars uh he has a 1936 810 westchester the 92nd one ever built and 
to give some background on Accord, um, the company was based in uh, Auburn, Indiana, and it was bought by E.L. Cord in the 20s, and he was kind of like an Elon Musk of his day. Um, he was an investor, entrepreneur, had made a lot of money. And this was like kind of his hobby. Um, so he bought Auburn and Duesenberg, which were one company, and he started making the cord, which he named after himself. And the first cord he made was the L29, which came out in 1929. And that was the first vehicle to ever have front-wheel drive, um, which is pretty cool. And if you've ever seen the movie um, Great Gatsby, the Great Gatsby car is a Duesenberg Model J, I believe. So that it's the same company um, that built the Duesenberg that's in the Great Gatsby movie. But anyways... Fast forward to 1936, Cord came out with the 810, um, and that's the car that my uncle has. And the 810, keeping with tradition, it was also front-wheel drive, so it was the second car to have front-wheel drive made by Cord. In the meantime, there were a few other vehicles made with front-wheel drive for a short period of time. Um, but the, the um, what was I say, the... Uh, um, 810 was probably like the first real mass-produced front-wheel drive car, in my opinion, um, because a lot of cars during that day, the chassis were built by a um, company, and then the bodies were done by something else. So kind of, They're called coach builders. So, like, a lot of Rolls Royces and stuff, those were big in the day. Like, Rolls Royce built the chassis, engine transmission, and, you know, the, the running gear, and then another company would have put the body on it. Uh, and Cord did the same thing back in with the L29, but uh, in 1936, this was a full production vehicle you could buy off a showroom floor from Cord, completely assembled. Um, it's the first car to have a unibody construction, so most cars today employ a unibody construction. Um, so like a pickup truck is called body on frame, and basically you have a frame and you stick a body on top of it. So think of it like a house, like you have a foundation and then you put the house on top of it, whereas a unibody car that foundation and the house are one they're one you know mesh together thing and the advantage of having a unibody construction is that your car can sit lower to the ground so this was this car at the time sat really low to the ground and it made it uh made it unique because all the other cars set up in the air so high so this car didn't have running boards on it um, which if you look at cars from that time period, they had running boards and they were kind of like built into the body. So it was kind of weird to see a car that didn't have big running boards sticking off of it. Um, the car is the first vehicle to have pop-up headlights, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's funny because they're crank operated. So you have to twist a crank and then one headlight pops up. Um, and then on the, uh, on the, uh, oh, hold on. Somebody texted me. Um, anyways, sorry, it was my mom. She's my only friend. But anyways, the car had pop-up headlights. You cranked them up. It was kind of cool. Um, it's got suicide doors, so the front door opens backwards, which is also cool. Um, the car is the first car to have an automatic transmission, but it's not an automatic transmission like we would know it today. You still used a clutch pedal on the floor, and then you used this little, like, weird-looking thing up on the dash, um, that you selected, you pre-selected the gear you wanted to be in. So if you knew you wanted to shift into second gear, you would put it in two. And as you were driving in first gear, 
um, and you wanted to shift, you push the clutch in, and then the transmission would shift into second, and then you'd release the clutch, and then move the little dial into third, and then when you were ready to shift into third, you just push the clutch and it shifted itself. So by today's standards, it doesn't make any sense, but back then it was pretty like advanced. Um, so, and there's a couple of their firsts with the cord. I think it's the first car to have uh, independent suspension, um, which is pretty unique, especially since it was one of the first cars to have front wheel drive. And if you've ever looked at a car that was front wheel drive with independent suspension, there's like a lot going on there. Um, so, so that was kind of, you know, quick overview of the cord and why I like Art Deco automobiles. And I like the Art Deco, um, period just in general I really like the styling and you don't see that type of styling today um if you've ever have a chance like uh the Chrysler building and Empire State building or Art Deco buildings that are famous but if you ever have a chance to go to Cincinnati um it's called like Central Terminal or something like that it's an old train terminal in Cincinnati and it's viewed as one of like the Art Deco masterpieces from that area I think it's like a museum nowadays but uh it's really cool um if you ever have a chance to even look it up, it's 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 pretty nice. Let's put it that way. Um, but anyways, so you know, I talked about muscle cars. I talked about uh, Art Deco cars. I guess my next favorite um, class of automobiles. I've always liked pickup trucks. I actually drive a pickup truck. I drive a Chevy Silverado that's purple. For your uh, for all my listeners in Wilmington, North Carolina, if you see a, sh- a purple Chevy Silverado. Um, Hit me up. Don't run into me. Actually, don't hit me, but hit me up. Um, you'd be just like, yo, what's up, boy? Odie boy, it's your boy. Or it's your girl. Or if you're not a boy or a girl, it's your person. Or if you're a dog or a cat, say, yo, what's up, Odie boy? It's your dog. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that's, you know, my first uh, bit. Is that what you call it? I really don't know. But anyways, let's transition into something else on the Odie Boy Random Show. Um, is it called the Odie Boy Random? Yeah, it is the Odie Boy Random Show. I'm just making sure. Um, but let's see. What what should I talk about next? Now, I wish it was kind of like a live show so you guys could call in. But unfortunately, I have zero listeners. So it's, you know, it's just up to me at this point what we want to transition to. And the reason why I'm talking right now is because I don't know what to talk about. And I'm trying to think of something right now while I stare at a light. So let me stare at this light for a couple seconds and then I'll come back and I'll talk about something cool. All right, fam. So I I thought of something cool. I think it was like three or four seconds. But uh, this, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be a very entertaining or funny show on the Odie Boy Random Show. But when you're going completely random and flying blind, sometimes that's going to happen. So um, like I said, I go to University of North Carolina at Wilmington, and I am a history major. I am going to be a high school history teacher. Now, we are going to talk about some history today on the Odie Boy Random Show. So if you do not like history and you do not like school, then you should just turn this off right now at 20 six minutes and 59 seconds um but if you do please stay tuned and who knows where it'll go next but anyways uh i was gonna talk about this class that i'm taking right now it's the last history class i need for my major and it's what's called a seminar so i think most of you that have been in college know what a seminar is but it's just a class that involves a lot more work 
and there's not like book work or like lecturing it's more of like a um a student-led class in a way so we we read a book or have a topic and we kind of just talk about it and it helps us like shape um like opinion not opinions but it shapes um what we want to write about for our paper which is like a 20 page paper at the end and for some people 20 page paper is a lot but when you've done a few of them it's really not that bad um once you get all your research done that's the paper part just kind of makes itself happen but anyways i was going to talk about some of the books i've read for my class and the book or not the book the class is called Hey, U.S. economic history in the 20th century, and I have to say, 20th century economic history is probably one of my most favorite things because in the 20th century, we made more progress than I'd say in the previous 50,000 years, um, especially with like food and you know other things. Now, uh, we don't really talk about like wars and stuff like that. So if you're a big like World War Two, World War One, Vietnam, Korea. Uh, Gulf War fan and you know the, this isn't the class for you or if you're like really like a buff about like like politics like this isn't about that this is like like I said this is a class about economic history and we don't really go into whole like the the macroeconomics and microeconomics this is more like just about social shifts so it, it's a pretty cool class and if you guys ever um, I don't know, for some reason are a nerd like me and want to talk about uh, economics, then like hit, hit up Odie Boy. But anyways, I'm going to go through some of the books that I've read and I don't know really what's going on right now. But anyways, so the first book that I read for this class was, uh, it's called When Affirmative, oh, When Affirmative Action Was White by Ira Katz Nelson. This is a about 230 page book about an untold history of racial inequality in the 20th century America. Um, It's actually a pretty good book. Uh, It basically talks about, um, like, the the affirmative action. So when we think about affirmative action, we kind of think about it as something that helps minorities and doesn't help white people. Um, But it it actually goes into uh, detail about how affirmative action was originally meant to help uh, put white people over everyone else. And some of you may or may not agree with that, but this book has some pretty damning evidence to support like things like, um, uh, I don't know, like welfare and other things like that. Uh, a lot of blacks, especially in the South, uh, the codes were written to exclude them from... Uh, from being able to receive government benefits and it also talks about how like higher income neighborhoods during the suburban boom post-war were subsidized by the government but yet subsidies for uh, like poor people were public housing projects that sucked so it really opens your eyes to the fact that there's so many things in America that are government subsidized and there's a lot of things like fair housing and stuff that a lot of minorities didn't have access to and not necessarily um, racial minorities, but also ethnic minorities, a lot of non-Christians, um, so like Catholics and, um, you know, other religious minorities, Jews, um, they were prohibited from living in a lot of these new suburban developments due to restrictive covenants. I think that's like the best sentence I've put together in a minute. But anyways, the book is called When Affirmative Action Was White by Ira Katz Nelson. I think the book, let me look right here. I've got it in front of me. It was published in 
2005, so it's a little bit of an older book, but it's still a good read. Uh, the second book that I'd like to talk about is called Building Suburbia by Dolores Hayden, and it kind of goes into a lot of the same things that Katz Nelson talks about in their book, but it ta- it's called Building Suburbia, Green Fields and Urban Growth, 1820 to 2000. So this, um, this book talks about like the rise of suburbia, and we all know what suburbia is, we all see it. But it talks about how post-war there was a need for housing and like Levitt and Sons. So like if you live in New York or Pennsylvania, there's neighborhoods uh, like Levittown and stuff. And how like our zoning laws and everything um, kind of morphed because of the rise of suburbia. And also like social shifts that go along with that. So, you know, we talked about white flight um a lot of white people moving to the suburbs and the reasons for that because of the great migration of blacks to the north seeking economic opportunities for uh, not forced but led to many white people to leave for the suburbs because they were intimidated by all these new uh, black neighbors um, so it's a pretty good read um, it goes into like I said some of the like uh, government subsidies for housing and just things like that uh, it's a pretty good book Uh, So the next book that we read for this class is called Molly's Job by William M. Adler. Um, This job kind of just details the the flight of uh, manufacturing jobs from the north to the south and the west in the mid to late 20th century, probably the 70s, 80s. And then talks about how NAFTA uh, shifted a lot of these jobs to Mexico and overseas and uh, it's just a pretty good book, and basically uh, what I got from it is, is unions, um, labor unions, um, they got a little too greedy and kind of forced a lot of jobs out of the north. Uh, the next book that I read for this class was called Fast Food Nation by Eric Schlosser. Schlosser, sorry. Eric, if you're listening, I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. Uh, this book actually got rained on, so it's kind of crunchy. I don't know if you can hear that or not. But um, this book kind of just talks about the transformation of the food industry um, throughout the 20th century and how we went from a, a food industry that was you know, locally um, sourced to an industrial industry that we get food from all over the world. And and talks about like the spread of foodborne illness and how a lot of that happens. And it's a good book. It kind of this is like one of the books that shows you how much progress we made in the twentieth century. Uh, and then the next book I read, it's called The Retail Revolution by Nelson Lichtenstein. Um, it's a pretty good book. It talks about the rise of like Walmart and stuff. Actually, the 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 subtitle is how Walmart created a brave new world of business. And it was interesting because Walmart is the biggest company in the world. And they they kind of flipped the roles of a supplier in a retail chain. So it used to be back in the day, the supplier used to keep really good statistics on um, how much stuff they sold. And then Walmart started keeping those statistics and basically dictated to manufacturers what they made and how much they sell them to Walmart at. So, I mean, it's a really good book. And it's kind of uh, like Fast Food Nation in a way because it talks about the shifts in retail from the 20th century to the end of the 20th century and fast food nation is the same thing just kind of about like the food industry but i think the same principles apply to both books so if you read one book you kind of read the other but there's still some unique things about the retail industry in um, comparison to the um, 
food industry. Now, the next book that I read, I've got to come over to another part of my apartment, which means I walk like four steps. Um, it's called two, hour, two, two, hours, two Dollars a Day by Catherine J. Eden and H. Luke Schaefer. Now, this was a book written during the middle of the recession in uh, about 2012. Um, it was when a lot of people were interviewed. But it gives a more personal perspective about uh, Americans that live on $2 a day, which by the... Ah, oh, forget who. Some world health or something. Um, they talk about, like, um, uh, if you live for less than $2 a day, that means you're you're, like... How do I say this? Okay, guys, I need help. Um, $2 a day is the bare minimum that somebody needs to survive on Earth. So if you live in sub-Saharan Africa, you still need an equivalent of two U.S. dollars per day in order to have enough food to survive. And there's people like that that live in America, and that was a very eye-opening book. Um, and it kind of details some of the people, unfortunately, that have to live in those conditions. But, yeah, I mean, if you guys really like economic history, and if it's really boring to you, like I told you guys just to turn it off at, like, 29 minutes. But, anyways, I kept that under, like, 8 minutes, which is pretty good. So, um... Let's segue into our next uh, random thought that pops into my head here on the Odie Boy Random Show. It's your boy Odie Boy coming at ya. Um, I guess let's talk about what it's like to live in Wilmington. Wilmington's been getting a large influx of uh, foreigners from the north since I moved here um, or started living here. I've lived in North Carolina for a long time. But um, like I said, I started going to school. Going to school, wow. You can tell I'm from North Carolina. Uh, I started going to school down here in, like, 2016. And there's, like, everyone I've met is from, like, another state, like Delaware and Maryland. It seems like that's where a lot of people are from. And New Jersey and New York. But um, uh, I'm not a typical Southerner. I'm not actually from the South. Hold on a second. I had to drink some water. I'm not from the South, so I don't hold a grudge against people moving here. Uh, but I have lived here, like, my whole life. But... Yeah, if you're from the the north, here's like a, I guess like a word of advice. Look, I'm from the Midwest, so like I don't associate with either group. But like, when people are like, especially I'm from Raleigh, so like a lot of people from New York have already moved to Raleigh. But like when you're from like New York and New Jersey, and you're where's the deli at? I need a I need a bagel. North Carolina, why is it so hot in North Carolina? When you're being like a loud, I want to say stereotypical New Yorker. That's what pisses off a lot of southern people. So if you come down here and start sipping sweet tea and stop honking at people, like, you'll survive down here in North Carolina. But when you start weaving in and out of traffic, honking, flipping, look, southern people drive slow. They're slow. They talk slow. They do everything slow. Um, so, like, don't, don't mess them up. But, anyways, I've seen a lot of the same stuff here in Wilmington. And, and honestly, guys, like, I don't think Wilmington's, like, really that great. Now, you can disagree with me on that. If I was from Wilmington, I would probably have a different, like, um, uh, opinion. But, I don't know. Just from living here for a little while, it's starting to grow on me some. But I don't think I'm going to stay here when I graduate. Um, Wilmington's a very blue-collar city, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a very blue-collar city. Uh, there's not... There is industry here, but it's not what you think it is. Um... You know, you've got you got a lot of old people. That's the thing about what you got a lot of old people. A lot of people retire here. 
um, which is changing, and, and, like, the biggest thing is, like, we have such an issue with heroin right now, and I know the whole country does, but we have a really bad issue with heroin, and it just, like, kind of ruins it, like, when you see needles and stuff when you're walking around, and, look, I grew up in the suburbs with white people everywhere, so, like, you know, it's a little bit of a culture shock when there's, like, two, the dude with a red blood shirt and the dude with a blue crip shirt fighting each other, you know, um, but I guess if you're from, you know, from it, then it's not, and, and it's nothing that affects me, like, two dudes fighting, like, it's not, they're not, like, robbing me or nothing, like, I've never, I leave my doors unlocked, nobody breaks into where I live, so it could be, like, a thousand times worse, but, I, and you're gonna get that in every city, and it's just, like, if I, I'm not a city person, and I would never live in a city, it's just me, the problem with Wilmington is, like, there's not much suburbs, like, we got, like, one town that's a suburb, but it's across the river, and getting across the river is a pain in the ass, um, and unfortunately, eastern North Carolina, if you're not at the coast, it's extremely poor, so being a teacher, that's probably not the best thing for me, um, nothing against any of the students or anything, like, the students actually, right now, I'm interning at a, at a rural school, and I don't really know if kids are poor there, um, like, in respect to the rest of the state, but, like, they're great kids at the school I'm at, but, um, when you are in a poorer area, like, eastern part of the state, you're just not gonna get paid that much as a teacher, and teachers, especially in our state, don't get paid very much to begin with, so I really need to go where the money's at, if you know what I'm saying, um, so, that's, that's, that's probably the biggest, that, you know, not getting paid very much is the biggest reason why I want to leave. And two, it's either you live in the middle of the city or you live in the middle of, like, nowhere. So, um, so that's the reason why I, I just don't think this is the best area for me. But if you think it is the best area for you, you know, all power. Whoa. Yo, I'm having another retard moment. But no more power to you. If you love it here, you stay here. If you don't love it here, go where you want to go. Uh, that's your word of advice of today from your boy Odie Boy here on the Odie Boy Random Show. But, um, so I guess that's all I got to say about that in the words of uh, late great Forrest Gump. So I, I think I got about five more minutes left in me on the show and I really don't know what, what else to talk about. I think I've said that about a hundred times today. So, um, hmm. Huh. And this is the problem about being a completely random show is I don't plan. Something pops into my head and then I just start talking. Um, I hear some noise going on at my apartment. Uh, there's always people outside revving up their mopeds. I don't get that. There's some guy that lives in my apartment. He's got himself two mopeds and they're like chingling chew mopeds or something. And he like revs them up and does wheelies and stuff and he thinks he's badass. But honestly, dude, like, you're not badass if you ride a moped. Especially you got two mopeds. Like, what do you need two mopeds for? Like, you're starting a moped collection. But I guess if that's what brings you happiness and joy, collect mopeds. But just don't impose your mopeds on me, please. I don't want to hear you. It's 10.03, and I just heard him do a mean moped burnout in the parking lot. Like, who are you impressing, dude? Like, (sighs) 
it's almost as bad as the guys that drive the Hondas. And don't even get me started on the guys in the Hondas. I'm sorry. Like, there are some pretty fast Hondas out there. But when you're driving a Honda Civic EX, which is like the base model, with your fart muffler on there, like, you ain't getting no pussy, dude. And if you're getting pussy, then, like, damn. Because I ain't getting no pussy. So... But, but yeah, if you drive a Honda, just, just drive it. Like, don't do anything to it. Uh, one of the guys that lives in my apartment has a Honda Civic, and he's got, like, a dildo for a shifter. It looks really weird. And he's also got a sticker on the windshield that says Japanese muscle, and that's just... <laughs> there ain't no muscle in Japanese. I'm sorry. You can't put those words together. And it's, a, it's like an 05 Honda Civic. Like, okay, if it's a joke, then that's a pretty funny fucking joke. But I'm pretty sure this dude's serious. Like, big serious about his Honda. Um... But yeah, don't don't do that. If you drive a Honda, if you're if you're in high school and you just got your first car and it's like a Honda or something or a Mazda, like do what your dad did and put gas in it and change the oil and just wait till you get a big boy car cuz you look like a cuck driving a Mazda 3 with a muffler cut off. I'm just saying um and that's speaking from experience because I thought I was badass in high school. Now I look back and I I look like a complete cuckold. So um yeah, don't 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 do that. Um, so, gosh, I just thought thought about all this cool stuff I want to talk about, but I've been talking for forty four minutes on the Odie Boy Show, and I need to stick with one name. I keep saying Odie Boy Show, but it's the Odie Boy Random Show. But I, you know, there's so many things that pop into my head, which is why I decided to create this podcast. And, and honestly, like today, I've killed an hour and a half of my time just talking to my phone, and I'm not talking to anyone. Which is why I'm crazy. But, um, I'm kind of starting to sound like old Keep the Frogs Gay Waterboy, uh, uh, Alex Jones. Whatever happened to that guy? I think he got kicked off of YouTube or something. Probably because he's saying some random shit. But, you know, if you can get past the fact that, that dude's nuts and you're not crazy enough to believe what he says, the shit he's, he's saying, I find it pretty funny. Like, where do you come up with this stuff, dude? He's over here saying, like, water makes frogs gay and stuff and like you know the stuff he said about the sandy hook people that was uncalled for but but yeah i'm not going to defend that guy or you know about that stuff but you got you got to agree some of the stuff he says is kind of off the wall and it's a little bit funny but uh so right now uh i wish i had odie boy cam but i'm staring at a hawaiian punch bottle like a big one gallon one and I, I bought that thing on Monday, and it's Tuesday, and I finished that sucker. All one gallon of red Hawaiian punch. I'm going to be pissing red for the next three days. But I have to tell you guys, Hawaiian punch is vastly underrated, okay? Hawaiian punch is some of the best shit out there. And I have to say, this is not an ad for Hawaiian punch. Because, honestly, why would Hawaiian punch pay me to talk about their stuff? Because it's already so good. But it's the fruit juicy red Hawaiian punch with natural and artificial fruit flavored juice drink. And it's got the little dude surfing. And it's an excellent source of vitamin C. I think you can get it for like two bucks at like your local grocery store. I'm saying if you're balling on a budget like your boy Odie Boy coming at you, you need to hit up the Hawaiian Punch Isle at your favorite grocery store. Whatever one you go to. Because I don't know where you guys live. And if you live in a country like North Korea that doesn't have Hawaiian Punch, you need to protest for your Hawaiian Punch like the Hong Kong people are protest for democracy. Which, uh... 
is that something we should talk about on the Odie Boy show? We already kind of talked about it um, on my my first podcast of the day, but we kind of talked about the NBA. But, you know, maybe I'll do some research about this whole Hong Kong, China bullshit and talk about it. But, you know, that's, that's something too serious. I don't know. But anyways, it's your boy, Odie Boy coming at you and i think i'm gonna end this show right here so it's your boy Odie boy over and out thank you for listening